This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. Today's guest, well, God only knows how many speeding tickets this man has talked his way out of over the years. (laughs) Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a racing legend, truly with 26 victories, including two Daytona 500 wins over the course of his amazing career. He's currently serving as a racing analyst for NBC Sports and is the host and executive producer of Lost Speedways, a Peacock original. I am going to put my mouth in park so he can start talking. Welcome, Dale. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Excited to be talking to you guys and uh, we, we kind of right in the middle of our season with NASCAR and NBC has just picked up the, uh, the broadcast. Uh, we had the pleasure of watching Fox, uh, deliver the first half of the season. So I'm back to work and looking awesome. forward to the rest of the year. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, I always wonder, uh, someone like yourself, you've had, uh, so much success, uh, and after you retired, uh, you could have easily just said, I am done working for the rest of my life, but yet you continue to work. What, what drives that? I ask myself that sometimes what I'm doing, <laughs> I still doing? um, you know, I think that I was almost contemplating backing it way down and then I became a father and there's some, real motivation to be able to keep working, keep succeeding, keep providing. And, uh, it's because of those kids, you know, you just, you don't know what they might need or what, what continuing on with some productive professional life could do, could do for them. Right. Long-term way deep, maybe the, not even their generation, the next generation or the next generation. Right. So, um, I got this renewed sort of sense of urgency to be out there and doing and, 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 and challenging myself. Uh, so we're pretty busy. We're actually busier now, I think, than I was when I was driving. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's um, funny. I, I've, I've heard that from athletes before. It's like they want their children to be able to see them doing their thing and not yeah. just see it on the internet or read about it. It's like, right. look, I, I'm still doing it. See, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. So uh, what, what people listening can't see is you've got some uh, guitars hanging uh, behind yeah. you there. What, what's, uh, what's that collection all about? This bass is from some friends of mine in a, in a band called The Dangerous Summer. They're kind of a pop punk band, but um, the the, the Bellamy Brothers, you guys ever remember the Bellamy Brothers, a country music band? Um, I think Patrick was a go-go dancer for them for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> there's, I got a lot of different ones. Um, Kenny Chesney and, and uh, there's, you know, just a few different guitars from different people. Uh, I did a lot of work with band Three Doors Down years ago with Budweiser right. 
and and there's a guitar there's up there and there's that's a couple, awesome a couple of dale Earnhardt editions. I, so dale i i spoke to you many 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 years ago when i uh worked at stuff magazine and you had told yes. me that you uh had in your garage you like to hang up parts of your cars that had been smashed and crashed and stuff do, the, do those monuments still uh, still hang there Still hanging up parts of my cars, still collecting parts that are out there on, you know, selling and trading amongst the collectors. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm into that. You know, I think that it's a great way to, to remember. And, mm. you know, I've got, I was just taking a picture of the door off of one of the first races I ran in 1996 and posted it on Twitter in response to another question somebody said, but um, so the, the parts and pieces off of those race cars are, are, uh, that they're just that they're collectibles and, and ways to remember a moment, remember an emotion or a feeling or an achievement or, or a bad day. You know, they're not all parts off of cars that won they're parts off of wrecks and right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just a cool way to, 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 to have, have your history sort of laid out there in front of you. Right, right. Well, and obviously, you know, we mentioned uh, the the show uh, uh, Lost Speedways. Uh, history is very important to you, obviously. Uh, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a really cool show. I love I love the the approach that you've taken answering these questions. How did the, how did that all come about? And I know you've got multiple media companies. You're doing a lot of stuff. We're pretty busy. Um, yeah. I I for about. 15 years have been documenting on a Google map of mine um, locations for old abandoned racetracks. And I don't know why I need to do that or I don't know why I felt this urge. I'm very nostalgic uh -huh. and I'm into the abandoned, um, you know, houses, uh, buildings, high schools, um, amusement parks, that type of stuff is, is eerie and romantic and, and the optics and the visual of it is beautiful. Yeah. And, 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 and there's just a lot of questions, right? When you see something like that, you, you immediately get curious. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I started documenting a map for just racetracks and I am eventually connected with several other people that were absolutely doing the same thing. And now mm -hmm. we all together have a map with thousands of tracks on it for wow. all across the, yeah, all across North, they're everywhere, everywhere. And the ones that we, the criteria for a track that's going to make it into lost speedways, there needs to be physical evidence that I can show you. I need to take mm. you there and say, here's the turn. Here's the guardrail. Huh. Here's it can't the just be a, it can't just be like a mall. Nope. If it's developed, yeah. it ain't, it ain't right. making it. And so, right, right. yeah, so we, I've, I've, I've wondered for a long time whether this had any kind of video content qualities, whether it would succeed or be interesting to people. And I felt like that it was such a small little niche uh, group of people doing it that maybe it, it wouldn't make it on network TV or as any kind of a, 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 a video format. So anyways, we, we got the nerve to put it together and do a season. Uh, the reaction was great. NBC yeah. was like, 
wow, this is this is good. Okay, people like it. All right. And so season two is here, July 1st. Peacock TV is when it will be available. But uh, I think that it's far exceeded my expectations uh, as far as what it's become, the TV show. Um, and I get to go to all these. So I've had this map. And I've never really been to any of these places, but right. I'm just looking at them from a, you know, a 40,000 foot view or a Google image. Yeah. Right. So I finally get to go and see it. And man, is it, it takes your breath sometimes when you walk up <laughs> on these places, you're like, oh my gosh, it's, well, we went to Texas World Speedway and it's this big two mile lost speedway. And it's, it's huge. It's so crazy that it's there. Yeah. Right. Oh, so crazy that it's sitting there. And that I don't even know if anybody knows, you know, not everybody knows about this, right? And, you know, soon it won't be there. They're going to they're gonna carve it off the face of the earth and put houses down. But Right, right. Um, Are you, I, have you ever, uh, have you ever felt the presence of uh, former racers, you know, still lap, running lap, laps around that track? I think you feel something when you go to a place like that. Yeah. You feel, you certainly feel the history. Um, you, you absolutely feel like you're, you know, you've, you absolutely feel the history and what was special about the place. You know, you all, you'll have these images of what it looked like when it was successful and you walk around this track and you take that image and you go, Oh, look, here is this part of the wall or this is, this is mm -hmm. this, or this is the flag stand. And you right. know, you're discovering, you know, and some of these places are in the woods and you, you'd, you'd never know it was there. That's, and so that's, that's it's really, really cool. It's fun. And <laughs> so, so we have a lot of fun, you know, we we're excited that we've got something kind of unique and cool and I don't, and it's never the same thing. You know, each episode is really unique and different. It's not, you're not, it's not, uh, it's, it, it kind of, uh, this season in particular, there's one track Myrtle beach, uh, that just recently closed, like in the last 12 months I raced there. And so we're gearing up, we're going to go to Myrtle beach. Oh, this will be fun. I ran that track. We yeah. walk in and it was like walking into a funeral. Oh, wow. And yeah. Cause I didn't expect it to hit me the way it did. Yeah. Uh, it really was hurt. It really hurt me. Uh, to see the track yeah. going yeah. away and falling apart. Right. And you know, I, I mean, if in, in some of these, if you, if you abandon something, whether it's a house or a mall or uh, an amusement park in like five years, it's almost unrecognizable. Mm. The elements and the nature take it so quickly. Yeah. And yeah. so in this, in the 12 months that this track has been left, it's completely falling apart. It's crazy. Wow. And so the other thing too, is when you go and talk to the community, the emotion that they have, how, you know, how much them places mean to them, mm. uh, it comes out on camera yeah. and they, and that really brings it home. Like when yeah. you see somebody going, man, I used to come here and I, me and my dad and, and they're breaking up and they're having a hard time helping you understand what this place means. It really brings it home how important these places were. That's, that's awesome. Wow. Uh, as you talk about nature taking things over, I'm looking out at my backyard where I haven't uh, mowed the lawn in two weeks. And uh, 
And uh, yeah, it looks like an abandoned speedway for sure. (laughs) Um, I was going to ask Dale, does going to these places must also make you really kind of think about how much racing and motorsports has changed over the decades, you know, compared to like NASCAR now compared to what, how all of these things originated. Right. Yeah. It's basically like, um, when, you know, you, you get measured on the door jam and you can see all those marks on that door jam of, of your growth throughout your life. But without that door jam, you can't really appreciate each mark. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't appreciate the progress. Um, and so when you go to these places, those are the marks, those are the marks on that door jam where you go, wow, we have really came a long way. Right. And oh my, I, I, I you, you don't, you just don't really take stock in how much has changed in the sport. Well, yeah. can you, so for, for people who, uh, you know, I think you're a pretty, pretty much a household name for, but for people who aren't like hardcore fans, can you explain like, you know, some facets of racing that maybe the, the, the common person doesn't understand, like just how brutalizing it could be on your body? I don't think people really understand uh, how physically uh, exhausting a sport it is. Well, the, the heat inside the car is the worst part. Anytime anybody asks me, um, I'm at a racetrack and it's Sunday, we're getting ready to get in the broadcast booth. And somebody will go, do you miss it? And I'm like, no, it's hot and it's going to be miserable <laughs> in there. I don't want to get in there. They're, got, they're, they're not going to have any fun. It's going to be hot and nasty. And <laughs> the temperature on a good day is about 120 degrees inside the Oof. car. Uh, the past two weeks at Texas and Nashville, it's been about 135 to 150 degrees. And that's three and a half hours strapped tight into a seat in that type of temperature where you can't, you can't get up and move around or, or, wow. or sh- you can't shake your shirt and cool off or step in front of a fan yeah. and get some air. You know, it's miserable. And you got this full <laughs> face helmet on. It's, it's just the heat just cooking you. It's like being under, it's like being a Bojangles biscuit under one of those. <laughs> I did so, not uh, realize that there was not air conditioning, uh, which no. sounds I mean, stupid as I say it, but there's some air moving, but it's, it's like only 10 degrees cooler than the stagnant air in the car. So it feels a little better, but, uh, it, that's the worst part. And, and you, I can go on from there and, and, and things that are unpleasant about it, but there is an, a, a, there's a thrill and a rush of adrenaline that you just can't find yeah. anywhere else. Right. And once you get a taste of that, it's like a drug. You want to keep going back right. to it over and over, you know, you just can't give it up. Well, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, speaking of un- unpleasant and just how mature my brain is, but I'm thinking three and a half hours in the car, the car gets pit stops, but you don't. Yeah. Um, so what happens there? <laughs> yeah. So rarely do you ever have to use the bathroom the car is so hot. You're sweating so much. You right. lose about eight pounds of water weight in a wow. race. So in three and a half hours, you're going to lose eight pounds. So you're never going to fill your bladder up. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. It can't happen first. Right. right. So your body's <laughs> pushing all this water out. And <laughs> so that's, you know, the trick, the trick that I learned late in my career was I would hose my entire suit down soaking wet. 
I would soak my oh my whole suit before I got in the car because your body sweats in a, as a reaction to cool your body temperature down. Right. You you're I'm basically beating it to the punch by soaking my entire my entire suit. Ah. And so I would yeah, the last couple of years I learned this and I got in the car and I'm like, man, this is I'm not gonna I'm probably going to not start sweating as soon. I'll start right. sweating. Yeah, I'll start right. sweating right. 15, 30 minutes later. And that's a little bit more body, you know, that's a little bit more water in my system that I'm not gonna lose. I'm not gonna get dehydrated late in the race. I'm not gonna lose that. I'm not going to have that mental fatigue and all the things that are associated with that dehydration. So um, there's some neat little tricks that you can pull to yeah. try to help yourself through that process. I got to I gotta try that for the next podcast recording because, you know, yeah. that's a little... <laughs> <Look> yourself down. <laughs> um, well, you, you know, t- speaking of history, obviously your family is a, a dynasty of, of racing. Um, was th- this career path ever a question? Was there ever a thought that you might do something else professionally? Well, I never, um, I, I was never guaranteed to make, make it as a race car driver. Right. Uh, and so I was a mechanic at a dealership changing oil. Mm. Uh, I worked that job for about three years. Wow. And so if I did not make it as a race car driver, I would probably still be a uh, service mechanic at a auto dealer. <laughs> that was, I went to a technical, I, my college experience was two years of technical college for an automotive degree. So I got a degree in automotives and was, that was, I was going to be a technician, you know, huh. fix your car. That was you it. wouldn't want to work in a pit crew if you weren't well, a driver? I, that wasn't guaranteed either. You know, trying to get into Trying to get into racing in any, at any, any, any part of it was so hard. Right. I got guys all the time asking me, how do I get on a crew? How do I get in the shop? How do I just get a job here, sweeping the floors? And you're like, man, we got all that. Like, there's no entry. There's no mm. spots. There's more people wanting to do it than there are available. It's positions. like Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Or Nashville with musicians. Yeah. Right, Nashville, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it's interesting, you know, you say about you, you didn't have a guaranteed spot and we've, we've talked to comedians and, and different types of people. And, you know, when they step out on stage, you know, they might get some applause just based on who they are, but then they have to perform, you know? Yeah. And uh, so you can't just say, well, this is my last name. So I'm, I'm an elite. <laughs> so <driver>. I win. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you have to actually be an elite driver. That's true. And uh, I always thought, man, I just need to win one race. If I, I guess it's like, Hey, if I need to have one hit, mm. right. Whether I'm a movie star musician or whatever, if I can get that one hit. I can right. milk that the rest of my life. Yeah. Right. I, at worst, at worst case, I'll have one hit, one win, <laughs> and I'll be able to keep the job. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, if there anything beyond that was going to be a bonus. So that right. was sort of the way I looked at it. That's awesome. So, uh, so what, uh, can you still tap into that feeling that when you get the checkered flag at the Daytona 500? More coming up from our guests, but first a word from our sponsor. We all want to know we have enough to get where we want to go. For instance, 
you either have enough energy to run a marathon or you're on the side of the road wheezing. So how about your startup? Does it have enough cloud computing power to win and handle the really big customers? Now you might think stable, enterprise-ready cloud infrastructure like Oracle's is out of reach for your company, but Oracle for Startups was made just for you. Oracle wants to help you land those big customers, so they're offering preferred pricing on enterprise cloud for startups, free cloud credits, and 70% off their cloud services. And with Oracle's always free guarantee, you can tap their autonomous database and other services for free forever. Oracle for Startups doesn't want you wheezing on the side of the road. They want you to have enough power to scale and land your dream customer. Visit oracle.com slash go to slash real job. That's oracle.com slash go to slash real job. And we're back. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, maybe not quite as good as the day it happened, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, oh man, I still watch old races that I won. I watched the, I love watching the last 20 laps of the Daytona 500 from 2004. Mm. Um, and knowing what I was thinking inside the car, scared about every new sound I was hearing. Yeah. <laughs> um, going, yeah. what is that? What is that? Is that something? Is there something going wrong? Um, and worrying about what might happen, a late yellow or a caution to change the complexity of the race. I'm thinking about those things as I'm watching it again, years, all these years later, I'm going, man, I was so worried. Oh, I don't, I don't, I dread that feeling of, of fear and worry about what's going to take this race away from you. Yeah. And then when we cross the finish line, watching the car pull down on the front straightaway, watching me get out at the start finish line and jump in my crew's arms. And I recognize all the faces and all the people that are running out there to me. And it's just, I love to, I love to watch them. I don't know if that's weird, or unhealthy, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the, the, the people, the people watch old, old footage of their success, but I do. That's I really yeah, Dan likes to watch old podcasts of his. Yeah. And, just like, <laughs> and he just asked that really, really incisive question <laughs> and then he'll pause it uh, back and he'll watch it again. Yeah. Well, awesome. uh, you, you definitely have the benefit of doing something that's nationally televised uh, to, to be able to uh, to, sure. to see those moments again. Like, right. like I'll shovel the driveway when it snows and it is perfect, but <laughs> I don't have any recordings of it. So I, I can't relive those moments. Well, the technology's there, bud. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you start watching your security footage? Yeah. <laughs> Watch as I... <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So you, um, you know, besides, uh, the, the, the show, um, I see also you, you've got, um, the whiskey river. Uh, that sounds, that sounds like a fun place to hang out. So basically we started whiskey river was a bar, late night club bar rest. And, and then we became a bit of a restaurant, started serving food. It's transitioned fully into a restaurant location at airports so we're we have one at uh charlotte douglas uh one in raleigh one in fort lauderdale and uh we're growing and hoping to open up more and more and so the tra the foot traffic and the how busy a, a, lo a store location like that is is really excellent uh mm -hmm. in, in in those airports so uh it's it's been amazing i'm i'm so proud of it 
Um, that's something, you know, I never thought I'd find myself involved in. I had a roommate when I was in my mid twenties and his dad owned a bunch of bars, different types, all types of bars. If you, you could think of it, he, he owned it. That is and a good, thought, good, good roommate to have, but uh, continue. <laughs> yeah. We, we had a lot of fun. And so, <laughs> and I thought, man, I, I'm interested in what bar ownership is like and it's tough and there's a short shelf life. And so mm-hmm. we knew we needed to transition into something different. And so serving food and making people happy and giving them some place to hang out while they're waiting on their, their connection, uh, some place to charge up their phone and, and listen to some live music. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good space. So what, how would you describe, um, you know, I, I think when people think about racing, you know, we think of the driver in the car, uh, not really thinking about that, that team that you mentioned that is the keeping the car in one piece and in your ear and letting you know it's very much a, a team sport, but, um, you know, what, what, how does running a business compare with, you know, being, uh, you know, driving this car and leading this team? Like, what, how do the, the, is there anything that transfers from one thing to the other, just in terms of leadership? For sure. I, there's a, uh, you know, there's, it's kind of weird to talk about it now because there's some, uh, some people that work, uh, with me and for me in the room, but, um, you, you know, if you're you about to car, fire them, no, oh, right. it's just weird to talk about a B, you know, running a business around your employees. But, <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I get asked this and I think, you know, when you're a race car driver, you get away with a little bit less professionalism. Um, okay. it's an, you do, I mean, you got a, you know, it's a, it's an intense sport. There's things that tick you off and make you mad. And so they get, you know, you're given a little bit of leeway mm-hmm. in, in, in having those, making those mistakes, you know, right. saying something heated and not saying something that's not very productive to your crew chief or your, your jack man or tire carrier or the guy who works on your car. And, you know, you can see him later and say, Hey man, you know, we were in the, we were in the middle of a, of a, of a very heated moment on the racetrack. And, and this is, you know, we'll work this out. Um, you won't get away with that too much, but you do get away with a little bit when you're running a business, you can't, you do not treat your employees that way. You can't, nobody's going to want to work for you. If you're late, if you're careless in, in the way you talk to them and treat them and, um, I mean, I'm not perfect and make a lot of mistakes and have a lot of learning left to do, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, the, you know, everybody's got their own thing going on. They got their own personal life at home, mm-hmm. good, bad, and different. They, they have other things that are important to them that aren't important. You know, what's important to you and what's important to them might not be the same things. Right. And you gotta, you know, you gotta appreciate what they care about and what they're trying to achieve in their own lives. And, um, that, I guess that was one of the things that I learned, mm. uh, early at, yeah. and hard lesson was how much change there is. I thought that at one time, and this is really naive, but I thought the people I was around were the people that I would be around the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And in the uh-huh. professional world, yeah, the good people go. You know, they, they excel and they go on their own. Right. The, and, or maybe you just not that marriage that's so perfect doesn't last forever. Something happens that splits that atom. Right. And right. 
So that was a hard lesson to learn because yeah, a yeah. lot, some people that were very close to me, but also part of my professional life were, were no longer part of that experience. And I'm yeah. like, dang, you know? And so, yeah, that was, um, that's, you know, you have people come into our business and they're very, very good at what they do. And they're only going to do that a while because they're good and they're going to move up right. they're gonna go either, yep. either in your yep. business or someone else's business. And that's, I guess you got to, instead of getting disappointed or frustrated with that, you got to look at that as like, Hey man, I gave them that opportunity. I helped. I was part of their story. I was, I, I give, I, they had a platform here to succeed and, and go to do something better and greater and be proud of that, you know, be proud of being able to offer that opportunity. to Well, them. you know, uh, Patrick used to work at entrepreneur and, uh, the happiest day of my life was when he told me he was leaving to go to her daughter. <laughs> Uh, because I, I, I was happy for him. Happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, tough because it's, it's tough you want to be, you're, it's a little bit of you can be selfish, but right, right, right. want the best for people too. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so this show we mentioned uh, on Peacock. So uh, how can people uh, check it out? It's on Peacock TV. Our second season launches on July the 1st. And uh, you can watch all of season one until then. But uh, season two of Lost Speedways, we go around the, the country looking and finding old abandoned racetracks and telling their story. And there's some pretty captivating stuff out there about them. And, and uh, I'm excited to get the feedback. Man, that's such a high anxiety moment when you put something out there <laughs> yeah. and like, oh, they're going to like it or not. You know, so I'm looking <laughs> forward to hearing what people think. That's awesome. Do you, uh, from, from your days of racing, uh, uh, I'm sure you've heard uh, great things and uh, not so great things from fans. Um, did did that ever like factor into the way you raced? I don't. I don't think it did. It factors into every single other thing you do in life, right? Um, right. Yeah. Uh, I think it factors into everything I do today and broadcasting. You you listen to that criticism and feedback, and you try to. It's hard not to let things good and, you know, the praise and the criticism affect you. Right. Um, so you, I try to be careful, but I don't think I ever let it bother my racing because you're the, you, the, the demand on your focus and attention, it almost makes it impossible to think about anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, Oh, what is everybody going to think about this move? I'm getting ready to make. You right. Know, right. Are they going to like, are they going to like when I spin this guy out? <laughs> you know, you just do what you do. You're making choices on instinct and, and asking for forgiveness later, I guess. Now, if someone pulls up to you at a stoplight, how often are they like looking to race you uh, when the light turned green? I'm just trying to get them to recognize me. I'm looking over there <laughs> like, hello. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> You gotta have your name painted only, on the door. Only a time or two have I had a guy. Of course, I'm never really driving anything that that's that's screaming, "Hey, race me!" Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm driving like my pickup truck or some old car, riding in my SUV with my kids. Um, but there's been a time or two where I've been on the road in a car, and it's typically the car they recognize. They go, "Hey, I want to race this car. This car, whoever. I don't care about who's driving it, but that car right there looks like looks like you're out here to." find some action. Let's go. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and do you take that action? Just a little bit. I want him <laughs> to be the one that gets pulled over. Not me. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <too egregious. laughs> 
I mean, that's a good story for them regardless, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, won. yeah that's right. They won the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, uh, Dale, it's been awesome, awesome talking to you. Thanks for uh, taking some you. time. Oh, a lot of fun. I enjoyed it, guys. That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Don't make me beg people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.